Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. We look at everyday issues from a biblical worldview so that you can trust the sufficiency of scripture and apply its truth to your life as you raise and disciple your kids. Welcome back, friends. We are here with another Worldview Wednesday, and this is where we look at news headlines from a biblical worldview. So today we're going to be talking about bullying and suicide. It's a really heavy topic, Kelly, and I would just suggest if you're a parent, maybe with like little kids around, maybe pause us and come back to us a little bit later because there's some things that are really hard to hear um, as an adult, and I cannot imagine hearing these things as a child. But, um, you know, normally we have these seasons where we're like super on task with Brave Parenting and we pre-record a lot. So we actually, um, this is one of the first times back because we pre-recorded a lot in April because you were going to Israel. So how was it? Is the Dead Sea like actually drying up? Uh, Actually, the Dead Sea is kind of drying up. Some man-made reasons and some natural reasons, whatever. They did talk about it. So it is a real thing. But I... It did not prevent me from floating in the Dead Sea, just as everybody says that you can. It's true. That feature has not gone away. But no, Israel was amazing. I don't really know anyone who goes there and experiences like the biblical and historical sites, you know, touching rocks that are 3,000 years old, standing on stone that Jesus would have stood on, and then they come home and say, eh, yeah, it was fine. No way. No, it's absolutely incredible. And we went with our pastor and 50 others from our church family. And that just made the experience so much more wonderful. Now, at one point, you sent me a picture, and I think our listeners are going to find this equally um, ironic as I did, but you sent me a picture and it was a shepherd, a modern day shepherd, right? Um, And he had all of his sheep around him, but he was staring down at his smartphone. I was, mind like, where's my little like mind blown emoji? It really, it really was that. Um, first, the pervasiveness of smartphones does, is not contained to the United States. It is everywhere. I think I texted you also at one point is we have a ministry in any country because there's, it is the exact same. Everybody is just staring down at their phones, right? So in this situation, we were on our tour bus. We had just left Beit Sahor, which is sort of near Bethlehem. We could not actually go to Bethlehem because they deemed that not safe because of the situation and tensions going on. Um, but we went to Beit Sahor to overlook the fields where the angels would have come to the shepherds and announced Christ's birth. And it was incredible. It was beautiful. You could see all the city of Bethlehem, these beautiful fields. And you could see shepherds out there actually in the distance and allowing their sheep to graze on this sort of public pasture. But there was one shepherd. Um, as we were on the tour bus, as we were leaving Beit Sahar, that was really close to the road. And as we, as the bus came up, I saw, and he was just staring down at his smartphone as his sheep grazed near him. And I laughed and I thought, oh, look, I took a picture, you know, I sent it to you. And, but then as we continued to sit in traffic, because there was a lot of traffic that day, as we were crossing through this Palestinian controlled territory, which is a whole nother experience when armed Palestinian guards come onto your tour bus and have to look at your passport. That was, a, that was probably only concerning. It wasn't even concerning. I felt completely safe the entire time. But I'm just saying, everybody asks, did you feel safe? And I really did. But so as we sat in this traffic, I pondered this. And my mind went to the discourse, you know, where Jesus describes the good shepherd in John 10. And you and I, Chelsea, use this specific passage a lot when we talk at Brave Parenting events and 
So I'm just going to read it and uh, talk about this for a second. So it starts in verse 7. John 10, starting in verse 7, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is the hired hand and not the shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and he is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Even as the father knows me, I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is an incredible teaching of Jesus. And while it really has nothing to do with the shepherd on his phone outside of Bethlehem, It reminded me of how important shepherding our children really is, right? To shepherd them to know God's voice, to know that he is the door, to know that he is the way, to know that his ways are good. But at the same time, being alert that there are thieves and robbers who seek to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, Jesus describes that hired hand who does not care about the sheep. He flees, you know, when the wolf comes because he doesn't care. He doesn't care about the sheep. He's not the true shepherd. And I immediately relate this to how tech companies and social media giants are in relation to our kids. They are the hired hands. They are in it for the money. When we hand our kids phones and devices and the internet, these companies become the hired hands to entertain and socialize them. But they don't care about our children. When harm comes to the children, when they are being groomed, when they are being bullied, when they are being trafficked, when they are fed a social contagion that convinces them to starve themselves, to harm themselves, or even kill themselves, they hide and save themselves. They would never lay down their lives for the sake of a child's well-being or all children's well-being. We don't see them sacrificing their bottom line in order to provide better protection for children. We do not see that. Because why? They are the hired hands. They gladly let the thief in. And in fact, I think that you could even draw this analogy out and say that they leave the door wide open for the enemy to come in and steal, kill, and destroy our children. But the good shepherd would never do that, right? He speaks to them and he knows his sheep and his sheep know his voice. And that's God, right? He desires to protect his sheep and to shepherd them so that they flourish and that they're never harmed. That is God's desire for all of his sheep, all of his children. Now, I don't know... If you or Chelsea or listeners, if that visual helps you, but man, it really impacted me. And I feel so strongly that we as parents cannot allow the hired hands to shepherd our children. I know it is so, so hard. It is hard to parent with media and technology, but we must do what we can to not let the enemy into the fold, so to speak, to steal, kill, and destroy. We are called to shepherd our children. That means we know them and lead them, teach them, provide and protect them. What we cannot be is the shepherd staring down at our phones while the sheep graze. It's so true. I mean, it is so absolutely true. I I didn't draw the analogy the way you did, 
just a second ago, you know, I've been working in my church recently doing some brave parenting stuff. And I keep explaining to them that the tech companies, they want to replace you as parents. They want to tell your kids where to go, who to see, what to watch, what to eat, what to buy, what communities you should be a part of, right? They, they want to replace you as a parent. And the technology that they produce, they want that to be your child's God, right? These things are not neutral. They've never been neutral. There was a whistleblower 18 months, 18 months ago at Meta who knew exactly what they were doing. But Meta didn't change. They didn't care. Just like what you just said, they did not care. And I just, I have that picture that you sent to me, man. It is like burned in my brain. And yes, it was ironic and it was sad all at the same time. I, you know, shepherding is just incredibly symbolic for Christians because of the scriptures you just mentioned. Um, you know, my first thought when I saw that photo was, thank goodness that is not my shepherd. Mine is perfect. And he is not looking down at his phone. He is constantly vigilant and omnipresent. So today, folks, we're going to be um, we're going to be talking about care, about oversight and protection, kind of like the job descriptions of a shepherd. And as we talk about these things today, it's going to be really important for us as Christian parents to remember who our who our Father is. That He is perfect. He is trustworthy, compassionate, gentle, loving. Because like I said earlier in our opening today, what we're going to be talking about is just, Kelly, there's no other way to describe it, but incredibly sad. Um, it is the true stories of stolen lives, of death, and destroyed families. So today's headlines surround the topic of bullying. Now, if you've been following in the news headlines, you actually may have seen some several um, high-profile stories of suicides that have stemmed from bullying at school. The first headline that we're going to read today comes from NBC News, and it says, In his final moments, Indiana middle schooler blamed his bullies for his suicide. Now, the article reads, Terry Badger III, age 13, he, he killed himself at home in Covington, Indiana on March 6th. In his final moments, his parents said that he recorded a video on his cell phone in which he named his bullies at school and said that they were the reason he was taking his own life. The article goes on to discuss an Indiana House bill, um, Bill 1483, that would require Indiana schools to notify the parents of a bullying victim within three business days um, if an incident is reported, and then to notify the parents of an alleged bullying perpetrator within five business days. This is so tragic. And the headlines we're going to read are only a small portion. These have all come out in the past couple months. But there are so many. I was just so saddened when you actually do a Google search for how many headlines there are about bullying that led to suicide. Too many, too many. And, but I'm just going to pause on this and, and look at that reality that it kind of seems shocking that there isn't parental notifications already happening. I think that we would all assume as parents, uh, especially if you send your child to public school, that there would be something or some sort of practice in place that if your child was bullied and it was reported that that would somehow you would be notified. But I guess that's not the case, which is interesting because when I've had kids in public school, I would get like a notification from the nurse every time they got a cough drop or a tissue. So to me, it seems very odd. And it probably goes to the sense that a lot of these bullying instances aren't actually being reported to the school. They're not being reported to the administration. So how can the administration tell the parents, you know, there's, the schools are overwhelmed. There's so much. They can't possibly know of every bullying incident. 
Absolutely. I mean, our, we've covered, what was it, just a few months ago back, I can't remember which month that, what month it was, but it's Seattle school districts. So we've got, we're up to like 13 school districts now that are suing Meta or Snapchat because they're just overrun with a mental health crisis. And they're blaming the social media. Yeah. Yeah. They can't, they cannot keep up with it. And so I think sadly, this, the bullying, whether maybe it is being um, like, uh, maybe they are notifying the school or the, you know, the, the kids who are bullied, maybe they are notifying, but the administrations are just so overwhelmed, Kel. You know, they can't keep up with it all. So we have our government stepping in, trying to say, let's help fix the problem by creating another mandate. It's like, what does Ronald Reagan say? The eight scariest words are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. But uh, our, our next headline is from Fox News. And this one says, New Jersey school suicide. Mother of 11-year-old discovers ominous cell phone recording. I don't think my 11-year-olds knew about suicide. I was going to say the same exact thing. It's really unbelievable or unfathomable, I should probably say, that that an 11-year-old would think about it, much less know how to accomplish. Absolutely. I agree. I absolutely agree. So this says Felicia Loalbo Melendez. She was 11 years old and she hung herself in the school bathroom after allegedly being bullied. Um, I don't I don't like the allegedly because obviously something did happen to her. And I, I understand the PC, the need for PC language. But yeah, that just that bothers me very much. Um, it says shortly before Felicia died, she wrote an email to an official in her New Jersey school about creating a safe space for students to let out their feelings. Felicia's mom also shared an audio recording from 2021, meaning she was nine years old when she recorded this. And she found it on her daughter's phone in which Felicia promotes just being nice to everyone. And then she adds at the end, quote, don't be a bully, end quote. Oh, Kelly, my heart breaks. The mom states that she and her daughter have raised their voices against the bullying going on in the school, but it's fallen on deaf ears. Yeah, equally so, so tragic. You know, we often talk about teenagers and adolescents and the rise in depression, anxiety, suicidal risk factors. And if you know a teenager, you recognize like it's really hard to be a teenager in today's society. But 11, it's so young. It's such a tender age. And right now, in this case, you know, we don't have data or, or knowledge of whether or not the bullying took place over the phone or the internet or if it was all face to face. But I'd imagine it was probably a, a both and. You know, if she's writing emails and creating voice recordings as early as age nine, she sounds quite tech savvy. And likely that bullying came from all directions. But I think it's, it's poignant to, 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 to point out that tech savvy is not tech mature. Just because a child can use all of the features of a smartphone and internet technology that you can email school officials and suggest great things. That's amazing. I love her heart. I'm so glad that she did that. But that doesn't mean because she can do those things that she has the maturity, the competency, the regulatory of emotion, um, the mental and emotional just capacity to handle all that the internet brings. Because savviness likely means that she was probably online. A decent por a portion of time, you know, she knew what she was doing, but it doesn't mean that just because we can doesn't mean we should. These are features that we use as tools, as adults. Yeah, we use email. We might use voice recordings. Yeah, 
we do this to accomplish life tasks. But for an 11-year-old, and much less she did it at her school, y'all, is so sad. That is making a statement. And when an 11-year-old has that much to say, that big of a statement to make to her classmates, how, tr- how terrible was that bullying for her? I can't even imagine. No, that's, it's just so, it's sobering. It's so sobering. It's so, it's heartbreaking. I'm just thinking of Romans when Paul says, just mourn, mourn with those who mourn. And we do, we absolutely do. Um, unfortunately, we have one more headline to cover. And um, this one's coming from CNN. So we've got three different news outlets all reporting on the same issue, suicides and bullying. And this one says, New Jersey school superintendent resigns after 14-year-old students suicide. So this story, folks might have heard of it or might have seen it. It, was, it made national headlines, um, and it seems to highlight the failures of the school system to adequately handle situations of bullying. So a 14-year-old freshman, um, Adriana Cush, she died by suicide two days after bullies physically attacked her in school. Kelly, are we, is it still labeled bullying when people are getting physically attacked? Assaulted? Yeah. No. Yeah, I know. This is, this is, this is bigger than bullying, um, especially as listeners hear what we're about to say. So um, immediately there was a, there was a disturbing video of the attack at Central Regional High School, and it was posted online. Now, this video shows girls who threw a drink at, um, at the teen, and then they started kicking her. And then they dragged her down the school hallways. Then they pushed Adriana into red lockers that lined those school hallways. And then one of the girls punched Cush repeatedly. Another girl outside of the video frame laughed as she recorded the scene. So then two adults come running in. They break up the attack. One, one adult pulls the teens apart. And the other one tries to help Adriana up because she's lying there. She's hurt. She's bruised. She's on the hallway floors. And then one of the girls says, that's what you get. And since her death, four students have been charged with aggravated assault. But Adriana's father, he is rightfully asking some very logical questions. Why wasn't the school police resource officer notified when this happened? Why was she only treated by the school nurse and not taken to the emergency room? In New Jersey, you know, there is a massive uproar in the state right now because both Felicia and Adriana, our 11-year-old and our 14-year-old that we've highlighted in today's Worldview Wednesday, they both died by suicide in New Jersey. If I was in that state, Kelly, I would be in uproar too. Yeah, school board meetings, they're, yeah, they're getting pretty heated up there. And, okay, bullying. Age-old tactics used to try and establish power and dominance over someone. And this, this isn't new. If you were to ask your parents, your grandparents, they will all attest. There's always been a bully in every school, in every generation. Um, always a Biff. You know who Biff is from Back to the Future? I, I have not seen Back to the Future. You've not seen Back to the Future? Yeah, we just hit a new level in our friendship. <laughs> For those people who maybe was born in the 70s like me and like this was the movie to see in the 80s, uh, you know, Marty McFly has a bully. And he travels back in time and sees his dad and his grandfather. And it's that same bullies, dad and grandfather. So it's like a generation of bullies. And so it's a big part of the, the theme of the movie anyway, is the bully. But nonetheless, I won't belabor that point. But the point is, is that there's always been bullies. So the question that we have to ask is, how is bullying different today? 
right? Why and how is it, is it different? And the second question is why is it resulting in suicide? Well, I think to answer the question of how it's different, it's pretty obvious. It's smartphones, it's the internet, right? No longer are kids only picked on or bullied while they're at school or while they're you know, on the sports team or at a slumber party. Now, everything that happens can live forever through pictures and videos. Everything is videoed. Every kid has a camera in their hand at all times. And that's a terrible feeling if you were bullied and that got posted online. And not to mention the fact that you're just susceptible to the bullying all the time because you always have the phone. You don't ever get a break from it just because you go home, just because you're in bed, whatever. If, unless you turn off the phone, unless your parents take your phone away, you don't get a break. But even at that point, right, you're riddled with anxiety about not being able to defend yourself or, or not knowing what's being said about you or what video is being posted. And all of that just makes you crazy with anxiety and stress and depression, right? So that's one aspect. I think the other aspect is that these children, these adolescents are growing up living a content-driven life and they are fed a steady diet of divisiveness, animosity, selfishness, narcissism, bitterness, quarreling, coarse joking, pranking, calling out, making fun, all of the garbage that pervades social media platforms, YouTube, streaming, um, television. When you are fed a steady diet of McDonald's, as Chelsea likes to say, don't be surprised when you're unhealthy. If we step back from our lives and how we view social media as adults and how we view entertainment, if we can recognize that, yes, it's actually slightly unhealthy for us, it's really not that great. We are not better people for it. Then we can realize how much even more so for children and adolescents, it is so unhealthy and it translates into really unhealthy and unstable kids. You know, people often, they want to look at violent video games and that's the immediate belief is, you know, when there's gun violence, oh, it's these violent video games. But where's, where's the blame for, you know, because I think the same can be said about social media, internet chat spaces, uh, online pornography, because there is bullying, threats, shaming, grooming, fighting, violence, degradation, all of that happening in these online spaces too. So naturally, it's going to manifest itself out in reality because that becomes their reality. This 14-year-old girl who was repeatedly punched and thrown into lockers and dragged down the hallway by boys and one girl. Like, I'm just going to make a bold assumption that these perpetrators have probably been fed a diet of violence and narcissism, whether that be through social media, online pornography, violent video games, or frankly, even the, I think it's horrifically degrading um, rap music that's out there that convinced them that this sort of violence is okay. It's like um, when you said narcissism, it, I just immediately popped into my mind the, um, the verses from, I believe it's Jeremiah, where he says, you've built your own cisterns, your own wells. You could have been drinking from living water. You could have been drinking from mine, but you decided to, to do it your own way. And now you're sick. Now you're sick. And, and that's where it is. We've got, we've got, we have a, um, an epidemic of, of sick children, adolescents, because they are drinking from their own cisterns and they are poisoned. And it's the worship of self, Kelly, you know, like all it, 
I, I can't say it enough. The algorithm preys on your corrupted nature and it's going to draw out that sin in us because we came pre-programmed with it, right? We, there's this, the, the, the tech companies and stuff, they are culpable, but they prey on you. You're, you're, you are a victim, you, not a victim, but you're, you're a weakness. You have a weakness. Yeah. And I'd be like, we've talked about this in the last episode. And I frankly, unfortunately, I think we're going to talk about it in every single episode from here on out. But the content driven life, it is one of destruction. It is not healthy. The internet, it is feeding toxicity to our children. It is poisoning their brains and destroying their understanding of reality and humanity. Right? If we want to know why bullying is happening differently today with such violence and severity at such high rates, Kel, we don't have to look any further than the content-driven life. Amen. I agree 100%. Okay, so then this leads us right to the second question that we have to answer, and that is why? Why is it resulting in suicide? So first, let's just recall the CDC's most recent stats from their Youth Risk Behavior Survey. And it showed that 57%, three out of every five girls, feels persistently, persistently hopeless and sad. Kelly, that is, that is an excruciating life. That has got to be incredibly painful. But hopelessness, you guys, what does that lead to? What does hopelessness lead to? It leads to despair. And in today's um, age when self-harm and suicide content pervades in their social media feed, despair leads them to believe that they must end their own life. It is a lie that they are being fed directly from the enemy. Another reason is also what we talked about in our last episode, Kel. It's nihilism. Kids today feel like everything is meaningless. In fact, nihilism is getting so popular within the United States among, I don't know, Gen Alpha, but definitely among Gen Z, that they've even kind of like renamed it as optimistic nihilism, which I think we could do a whole episode on. But oh, <laughs> I know, exactly. But the, the, mean, the, the point is, in nihilism, life has no purpose. That worldview is destructive. And when they're bullied online and they lose their worth because their worth was tied up or defined by online quantifications or validations, they have nothing left. They don't see a way out. They can't look towards the future and they have no hope of life ever being different because they understand that the internet lives forever and maybe they don't need to live for tomorrow. And then I'm just, I'm going to offer a third reason. And that is that young people today do not have God's word written on their heart. They do not know God. They do not know his divine attributes, which is, I mean, Kelly, that's why we started out this podcast, remembering who our heavenly father is, because as Colossians 3 says, we need to think on the heavenly things, not think on the things that are here on this earth because they're just too overwhelming. We need to think on his power and his glory and his holiness and his power to save. These teens and adolescents, they don't know God as the father of all compassion, the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-4. through 4. Man, that's a good word for us right now. They don't know that others have felt the same way and have been helped by God. Like in Psalm 6, you know, David cries out. He says, I'm worn out. I am worn out from my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping and I drench my couch with those tears. 
My eyes grow weak with sorrow and they fail because of all my foes. They don't know that that you can cry out to God in despair and that he's right there. He's listening. He's omnipresent. See, the average kid today, they also don't know in the slightest way how to count it joy when you face trials of many kinds, as James would tell us. And even more so, they cannot possibly reckon, as 2 Corinthians 4 says, he says, um, we are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. See, Jesus took the crushing. He took the despair. He took the forsakenness and he took the destruction on our behalf so that we would not have to endure it. I mean, these are verses that I use all the time in my own suffering, in my own hardship of life. And because God is a God of hope. He came to bring hope. He came to bring healing. You know, the prophet Isaiah, he prophesied, and then Jesus read this aloud in the synagogue. And he said, I come, I, I've come to fulfill this. And what is that? To proclaim good news, good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty, right? That freedom to the captives, not just captives of slavery or captives of whatever it was in that day and age, but captives of our own like terrible thoughts. When we are captives to the lies of social media or social contagion, Jesus says he came to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind, right? To give us new eyes, to see through a different lens and to set free those who are oppressed. And that's all of us still. It looks different than the context you know, of where Jesus spoke these words, but that is still us. He still is delivering those good news of freedom. That's what Jesus does. And if you don't know him, if you've learned on social media or just through society who's been influenced by social media that Jesus is a joke, you know, that anybody who follows him, you know, they're just sheep. They're just the sheep that follow him without any regard. They're pathetic. Well, then, then you don't know hope. And when you don't know hope, your answer is despair and pain and suffering and death. And that's all there is, is this miserable life. Well, then I might as well die. And you have to think like, what about the folks that maybe just have a really bad biblical or a really vet, not biblical, but a really bad um, theological understanding of who Jesus is? What if you're, what if you're a moral therapeutic deist and you're like, I'm supposed to be happy. That's what God, that's all that God wants for me. Why am I being bullied? Right. That, that worldview, moral therapeutic deism does not answer the questions or the problems of suffering. It doesn't answer them well because, well, first frankly, because God never wanted us really to be happy in the first place. He wants us to be obedient to him. But that's, that's, not, that's not helpful in these situations. Right, right. It's like what Ecclesiastes 7.14 says, and this is so true, and we can all just remember this verse. In the day of prosperity, be glad. But in the day of adversity, remember, the Lord has made the one as well as the other. God brings both. We are not meant to be happy all of the time. We are not meant to be problem-free. We are not meant to feel comfort 24-7. That's just not how it is. And we, you know, as Christ-believing adults, we have the tools. We have God's word. We have so many resources that we use that when hard times come, we've, we're prepared. But our young people don't have that. And I think that it's probably easy for the, the average Christian listening to this podcast. You know, you can see the biblical aspect of bullying and suicide. As a Christian, we believe that every person bears the Imago Dei, the image of God. Therefore, every human is worthy of dignity, 
Every human is worthy of respect and they should not be bullied. They should not be hated, shamed, embarrassed, assaulted. And ultimately, God never intends for a single soul to end their own life. But in light of all of that truth of scripture, I want to consider some practical, on-the-ground, secular perspective (laughs) and consider it how it relates to this. And this is what a middle school band director who goes by at Teresa K. Newman says in her viral TikTok that describes the reasons why teachers are walking away from the classroom. You know, earlier we talked about, is this a school problem? Schools aren't doing enough about the bullying. But this just kind of highlights some of, of that back end. So she says, quote, this is not a money problem. It's not a parent problem or an administration problem. It is an emotional dysregulation problem. Students do not care if they fail. They do not care if they get written up. They only care about how they're going to be entertained in the next five minutes of their life. Y'all, that is real on the ground perspective. They only care about how they're going to be entertained the next five minutes of their life. And she continues, quote, it's as if some of these kids have literally given up on life. They've given up on doing anything special. And they're 12. They are 12. Commenting on this TikTok, one person says, quote, I'm a therapist and seeing the same thing. Teens with no hope for their future, convinced that life isn't worth living and ready to give up completely. So this isn't, this isn't our biblical perspective. This is, I actually probably think she was actually quite liberal, um, to be honest, when I watched the TikTok video. But she is seeing the absolute hope, hopelessness and despair going on with young, this is middle school. These are 11, 12, 13-year-olds. This is, this is crazy, Kelly. This is crazy. Our kids are just being fed lie after lie after lie. I just, you know, I, you know, I was a '90s kid, right? And I grew up with the, um, the heroin chic, you know, thinness, right? Everyone was super thin. Uh, you know, you got Cosmopolitan magazine every month, and it was hard. It was hard to, um, to, to look at those images and, you know, compare yourself. That Cosmopolitan magazine came in once a month. You actually received that magazine. That's another. That's another episode. <laughs> but like, right? It was hard. Like there were hard things in the '90s, and. But it, it was not the onslaught. It was not 24-7 like the way our adolescents and our kids are growing up today. They never get a break from it. Like you said, they never, ever, ever get a break from it. And those secular sort of like on the ground perspectives of what's going on with young people, they speak exactly to the point that we mentioned earlier that a content-driven life leads to nihilism. It leads to nothing, meaninglessness. It leads to not caring about anything because everything is meaningless. There's no hope. There's no future. There's no reason to care about another person's humanity and dignity. There's no reason not to be a bully. There's no reason not to assault or to publicly shame or to embarrass or harass. I mean, we look back at history and we're just kind of like appalled by the tar and feathering tactics before the American Revolution. But y'all, we go, are we going back? That's, I mean, literally, they, there's no point to it. So then let's just ask this question again. Why is bullying different today? Why? It's because kids are different because society is different. Culture has shifted because of media. There, there is no like simple 
um, um, way of defining the impact of media in general because it's it's multifaceted, right? It's not to mention the algorithmic driven social media and entertainment of today. Kids are hopeless and they find no meaning and they find no worth in themselves. Therefore, bullying becomes entertainment. They bully to feel alive, to feel power. Honestly, Kelly, just to feel anything, right? Even if it's terrible, even if it causes regret. Why? Because they know that they can just numb those bad feelings away with more scrolling, more posting, more porn, more video games, more bullying, more drugs, right? It is, it is entertainment for entertainment's sake. And to answer the question of why this is leading to suicide, the same is still true. They are without hope and they are without purpose. Young people are giving up on life completely. They don't know their creator. They don't know their savior and their redeemer. And they are believing that this, this material world is all that there is. That this, this world is all that there is. That's an awful perspective on life. And sadly, they decide to take their lives. Why didn't bullying lead to suicide 20 years ago? I think maybe because people had hope, right? Statistically, we know that more people had a biblical worldview back then than they do now. Absolutely. I mean, so I was born in the 70s, grew up in the 80s, early 90s. And while I grew up Catholic, that was an, an, an extreme biblical worldview. It was definitely a worldview driven by morals and values. And we absolutely believed in human dignity. And never did it really cross my mind that there was no hope for the future and that suicide was the answer. So I think we've definitely got to go back and say, where does this stem from and how do we change it? Because government mandates for schools to change their policies and how they notify parents about bullying is not going to change the situation. You know, we can all agree that there's a mental health crisis and there's hopelessness and there's massive, I would say, agnosticism on the online and all the anxiety, right? This isn't a sickness that is spreading in the water. This, there's a cause. There's a cause. And, it, and this cause started before the pandemic. So no one can blame COVID lockdowns as the sole reason why kids are falling apart today. To me, there is one or two, really, I guess, major society-altering factors that have to be the cause. And it's smartphones and social media. And frankly, the two are in bed together. They're practically one flesh. Smartphones and social media, they just all go together. And so the bullying problem is not going to be improved by a kindness campaign on TikTok or Instagram or by, you know, t-shirts sold at Target. Like that's not going to change anything. Where we are going to see change is in the home, on the individual level, when parents withhold media and technology, withhold access to the internet. Because when you do, you are hindering, stopping, putting an ebb on the flow of that content-driven life, teaching them that there is no hope, teaching them that, that this is all that there is and what there is is just garbage and violence and shaming and just overall terribleness. When we at the home are teaching character and integrity, teaching dignity for all humans, right? This is where it starts to change. I think everything you just said is just spot on. Just it really I agree with everything you've just said. You know, earlier we made that comment about, you know, going and building your own well, drinking from your own cistern and being poisoned. And when parents hold fast to the confession of their hope, as Hebrews chapter 10 says, and they hold fast to the God of the universe, the one who 
created them, when they hold fast to their Savior who made a way for them to draw near to the throne of grace, to have a right relationship with God again. And we, we, we put a, a, a stopper on that ebb, that flow that you just mentioned, then we are going to lead our children to living water. Man, you hand over that phone and you say, you know what? Go build your own well. You be, you be you. And that is not good for them. And so it does. It starts with families who make the commitment to kind of like rehook themselves, rehinge themselves onto a biblical worldview. Because within a biblical worldview, even if your kids don't know the Lord, even if they're resistant against the Lord, creating a family culture based on his commands and his principles, common grace is still built into that and it is still good for them. And so Jeremiah 6.16 says, stand by the roads and look, ask for the ancient paths. Where the good way is, then walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. And this is what our families need to start doing. Strong communities are built on strong families. That's right. And it goes back to just reestablishing a moral and value-driven worldview that knows God. And you don't have to maybe know him to the depth that maybe you and I do have been walking and studying um, you know, academically you know, God's word for a long time. You know, it just starts in the smallest of ways. But it starts in the home, you know, and while and I'm thankful for government legislatures who, you know, want to a- attempt to make things better by making change. We all just have to recognize that that's not where it starts. It starts in our homes. And maybe it means that you don't need to send your kids to public school, but that doesn't mean they're not going to be bullied in some way somehow if you're allowing them online. That's just a reality of how it is. We have to really assess what reality is for our teens now is not what we grew up with. It's very different, and it's going to require different parenting strategies. It requires God's word. Ultimately, we, we can't do this successfully without the Lord. So we do mourn with those who are mourning, and um, it is so sad and tragic, these losses. Um, but we can move forward and, and make change. Like I said, change happens right there in your home. You want to change the world? Start with the way that you raise your kids. So, yeah. Well, heavy topic, but good to talk about with you, Chelsea. Thank you for your work on this as well. Y'all, thank you so much for listening, tuning in this week. We hope that this has been, um, at least you've just gained a little glimmer of, of hope and encouragement for what you can do in your life as you raise and disciple your kids. Until next week, go and be brave. <laughs>